Hallelujah. I think we're going to enjoy tonight as much as any church service we've ever been to in our lives. Amen. Amen. The presence of God is, is real. Billy told me before service, he said, my wife came home and said, well, we just hit a place of weightiness this morning. Amen. That's where we want to jump right back into that. Isn't he worthy? Amen. So worthy. Grab your Bible and sit down with me just for a moment. I just want to take 10 or 12 minutes and stir us up just a bit. And uh, then we're going to pray tonight. And um, we might pray five minutes. We might pray 20 minutes. We might pray 30 minutes. I don't know. We won't set a limitation on a time of prayer. But we'll pray, and then we'll, um, I want to minister to everybody that came tonight and just give the Holy Spirit a chance to say something, amen? amen. And if, uh, if, you're, if you're visiting with us tonight, thank you so much for being here, and uh, glad, that, glad, that you, glad that you came. Uh, we love this church. We love Pastor James and Melissa so much, Matthew and Donna, the team, the whole, all the boys. We like William and Wesley. We like Wesley better. And uh, William had issues, so we sent him off to Rama. you know. We hope they fix it and get, send him back better, you know, so this will be good. Isn't <laughs> uh, and, and Anthony Washington a blessing? I mean, nobody sings better than Anthony anywhere, and Anthony's so much fun, you really do just want to hand him a phone book and say, go for it, just come on, just start with A and go for it. So anointed when he just touches the mic. It's just not fair. So we're glad he gets a chance. And then I was thinking, um, coming here, what a, just a, like a tremendous honor when I think about all the men of God that have ministered here at this church over, the, over these years, not too many years in the church. Would you tell me, 18? Does that sound right? 18 years or so. 19 years. That's awesome. And uh, we started in 2001. So Amy and I are in our 23rd year. And um, in, in Kentucky, and I told them this morning, they'll have to run me out of town. You know, I just, you just love it. And uh, you, you develop spiritual sons and daughters, and it's just, that's who you got, it's who you work with your whole life, you know. So just, just so thankful for this. But uh, honored uh, to be here and uh, tonight with you guys. They had a good service this morning. Sometimes when you do Sunday morning, Sunday night, if you have a really good service Sunday morning, uh, nobody comes back Sunday night because God, because God moved, you know, <laughs> and so you kind of don't know, you know. Everybody comes back either. Yeah, we didn't really get where we wanted to this morning. No, we're glad. <laughs> we'll give him one more chance, Lord. We'll give him one more chance. <laughs> well, Kansas City won a football game today, and it made me think about. My mom loved blonde jokes. And uh, the problem is, my mom couldn't, she couldn't really tell jokes very well. She'd tell you the punchline before she, she just, she loved them and she'd just giggle. She couldn't get them out right, you know. But, so uh, my mom would always tell the blonde, her favorite blonde joke was, uh, did you hear about the blonde that opened the box of Cheerios? She's, <laughs> she said, look, honey, donut seeds. And so my mom just, she let's love blonde. She, my mother was blonde, yes, my mother was a blonde. So uh, my mom just had a smile that would light up the room and a cackle. She'd laugh at her own jokes, you know. So everybody just loved my mama. And she went home to be with the Lord eight years ago. And, and uh, you know, we all miss her dearly, but we can't wait to get to heaven and, and uh, see Jesus and see Mary Ann. So 
She's uh, so much fun. But she would always ask me to tell this because she loved it so much, but she could never tell it right. And that is they had a National Blonde Convention in Kansas City at Arrowhead Stadium. 80,000 blondes came. <laughs> and uh, so while they're waiting on the, the keynote speakers to get up, the MC's up, and he's just warming up the crowd. So he's taking volunteers to come up and just doing simple things with them. And so they're doing some simple math, and he gets a blonde up, and he said, uh, you know, uh, can you tell us what is... Three plus six. And she said, man, three plus six. And she said, that's 12. And he said, oh, I'm so sorry. And then the crowd began to chant. It was a whole stadium full of blondes. Give her another chance. Give her another chance. And so he said, all right. He said, well, what's six minus three? And she said, well, six minus three is five. And man, he said, sorry, it's not. And the crowd again just started to chant. Give her another chance. Give her another chance. So he said, all right, let's make this one simple. What's two plus two? And she said, two plus two is four. 80,000 blondes. Said, Give her another chance. <laughs> Give her another chance. So if you can't laugh in church, where can you laugh, right? It is the joy of the Lord. Jesus said, I say these things to you that my joy would be in you and that your joy would be full. There's no joy in hell. Come on, joy comes from God. It's his second descriptor, amen? So we're full of the joy of the Lord tonight and you'll leave that way, I promise you. Hallelujah. I want to talk just for a minute or two here about our first ministry. And we, uh, we mentioned it this morning that Jesus, Revelation 1-6, Jesus has made us kings and priests unto his God and Father. That he restored to us what Adam lost. What sin cost us, Jesus won back for us. He restored us to our place of dominion and authority over the works of God's hands, over the natural course of this world, over every spirit of darkness. There's a, a great national movement of deliverance, and I think God's in it. Uh, but then man, you know, gets in everything that God gets in, man will get in too. And so you've got to be careful a little bit because um, man wants to uh, really prop up how powerful Satan is if you're not careful. And uh, I just love 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. Amen. Amen. So you don't want to become so devil conscious that you forget to become God conscious and to know we have authority over those things. But everything... And I mean everything. Adam lost for us. Jesus gained back, Romans 5 says. And how much more? Through the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness, we now reign in this life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So he put us back into that place of kingship where our flesh isn't to rule over us. No spirit of darkness is to rule over us. Uh, I had a battle with depression in 2007 and 8. I had a restaurant and... Uh, it was an Ishmael in my life. I was trying to help the Lord out. You've never done that, have you? <laughs> we were growing a church, and we needed money for staff. We wanted a better building, and so I thought, I'll figure this out. I'll help God out. I'll open a restaurant. Everybody wants a restaurant till you get a restaurant. <laughs> then you realize you don't own the restaurant. It owns you, and uh, so that was our testimony as well. Well, I, I, we're losing money. We can't declare bankruptcy, and, Man, I, I got myself into a really uh, bad place mentally. And uh, darkness, just, just would come home from work 11.30 midnight and just go straight to bed, 
try to sleep away the trial. I found out you can't sleep away depression. You'll wake up, it'll multiply it, you know. And so uh, I, I never went to a doctor or a psychologist, psychiatrist, because I knew what they'd have done. They'd have slapped me on Zoloft or Paxil faster than I'd get out of that office. Because I, 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 I had new symptoms of depression they hadn't even heard of before. I had them all, you know. And so, um, and, and so here I am, 33 years old, some, some, at that time 31, 31, 32 years old, severely depressed. And uh, it, it hit a, a, a place <laughs> one, one day. I was driving down the road, and there's a train track, and a train was going by, and I actually floored my vehicle to just plow the train. And... Um, uh, just crazy what your brain will do if you let an uncontrolled thought life and you let something else rule you. And uh, I didn't take authority over my thought life. I was letting it rule me. And thank God I locked up my tire, turned my car sideways, you know, didn't hit that train. Well, I had about an eight, eight or nine minute drive home from that experience. And on that way home, the, these thoughts were just bombarding my mind about how nobody cares. No one understands what you're going through. Nobody, right? And just be better if you just did take your life. Just this bombardment. By the time I got back to the house, I recognized these thoughts are not of God. Right? And I actually said out loud, sitting in the driveway at my father's house, on the way to my father's house, sitting outside my father's house, I said out loud, that's not true. And uh, as soon as I did that, that same voice of deception switched and said, you're right, you're too good for these people. Here, he was trying to tell me I'm too bad for everybody, and I'm a failure, and I'm a loser. And then as soon as I, he just switched gears. Actually, you're too good for those people. They don't deserve you. You're working hard. They're not even trying. I thought, this is the devil. And that's what it was. It was just, come on now. So even the forces of darkness, whether, you know, demonic, listen, we are not to let them rule over us. We're called to reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So instead of getting medical help for that, I just took the word of God and recognized, come on, greater is he who's in me than he's in the world. And I began to just put action to that and rejoiced my way right out of depression and into, um, and into a victory that's sustained. I don't deal with that at all. don't have any issues with that. Matter of fact, uh, we're on the contrary, we, we kind of just swim in joy. Just go to bed happy and wake up happier, amen? And uh, they say, did you wake up grouchy this morning? I said, no, I let her sleep, praise the Lord. <laughs> no, I married joy, I didn't marry grouchy, and it just took her about, you know. <laughs> just took about 10 years of marriage for that joy to get over on me. But, um, but we're created as kings of God and as priests unto the Lord. Now, I want to look at this uh, real quick. I said 10 minutes, but we'll start the clock now. All right, everything up now was the introduction. <laughs> I don't need long, but I do need about 10 minutes. I do need about, I do need about, I do need about 10, about, go, go. About, ten, uh, about 10 minutes. I want to, I want to start us up tonight on our priesthood, our priesthood. We're created with our first ministry, not to people, but our first ministry is to the Lord. So Jesus restored us to the, the place Adam lost in the koinonia or the fellowship of the Spirit. So the very last verse of, of 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 14, in Paul's benediction in that letter, he said, 
May the love of the Father, the grace of the Lord Jesus, and the fellowship or the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. I thought that's interesting that he summarized the Godhead with one word each. Isn't that interesting? That God the Father, he said the lo his love. Well, you can't separate God from love, can you? First John says, God is love. So if, if you're forced to describe God in one word, Paul chose love. Then he said, the grace of the Lord Jesus. So if you're going to summarize the ministry of the, of the Son of God in one word, Paul chose grace. That's what first, or, or the Gospel of John said, isn't it? that he came full of grace, full of truth. Glory to God. Well, what is grace? Grace is God's ability working in man. So Christ, being both God and man, would make sense then. Grace. And for one word, the scripture of the Holy Spirit, Paul said, for the Holy Spirit, koinonia, communion, fellowship. That his role in our life is that he is the teacher, the guide, the intercessor, the, ad, right, the standby. That, that word paraclete um, it describes what? One who is with you always, helping you along the way. And so God... The Spirit, no less God than the Father or the Son, right? Given unto us, that He's with us and in us, and He has intense fellowship with us. So in 1 Thessalonians 5, when Paul's giving the benediction there, he's, he reminds them, Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, and everything give thanks. This is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And the very next thing he says is, Quench not the Spirit. Despise not prophesying, right? And then tells us, verse 23, May your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless till the coming of the Lord. So I think it's interesting. Rejoice always. That's a daily habit. Pray without ceasing. Daily habit. Right? In everything, give thanks. Daily habit. Quench not the spirit. Daily habit. He's not talking about a baby crying in church. Right? He's talking about what? The voice of the Holy Spirit in your life, that if you won't quench that voice, He'll lead you and guide you into all truth. Isn't that what, what 1 John 2 says? We have an unction, an anointing from Christ, from the Holy One, and because of that, 1 John 2.20 says, we know all things. 1 John 2.27 says, we have an unction from the Holy One, and we have not need of a teacher. Meaning we don't, we're not limited to what another man can teach us because the teacher lives on the inside of us. My father says it this way. He says two things. He says, I'm this narrow-minded, which I love that. He always holds his Bible. He says, I'm this narrow-minded. Then he says, the author of this book lives on the inside of me and teaches to me. Now, why he says that, because at age 30, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And he said, it's like he got a whole new Bible. Right, all of a sudden, why? Because the author, he wants to have koinonia with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. So when you read the Bible, now the Holy Spirit wants to, he wants you, as you meditate on those truths, he'll start to teach it to you and bring you into what 1 Corinthians 2 says, is all the knowledge of God, yea, even the deep things of God are revealed unto us. For what, uh, who knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man is in him? And we have that spirit in us, amen, the spirit of God, who knows all the things of God. So then, we see in the early church 
that Jesus restored man to a place of fellowship with God that man had lost through Adam. And again, how much does God love man? Wow. That David tapped into it prophetically and recognized a few things that was way beyond his, uh, his time. Uh, David really didn't seem to embrace the law as much as David embraced the covenant of faith. Remember when David went and ate the showbread? Uh, right, which was against the law of Moses, but he enacted the law of faith of his father Abraham. So David prophesies in the Psalms, and it's just so pr prophetic. It's like the Psalms are a conversation between God the Father and God the Son, separated by a thousand years, that David just continues to prophesy about the Redeemer and about the Messiah. He prophesied 22 times about Jesus' crucifixion when the Jews didn't even crucify. The Jews stoned. Yet there's 22 prophecies concerning the death, burial of Christ. And then David prophesied, Psalm 16, 10, I will not leave your soul in shoal. Right? Jesus, reading the word, was able to recognize my father won't leave my soul in the belly of the earth, but he'll bring me out. So Jesus boldly declared, you may destroy this temple, but in three days I'll rebuild it. Amen? So David uh, who prophesied, Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all of his benefits who forgives all my iniquities, who heals all my diseases, who redeems my life from destruction and crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercies so that my youth is renewed like the eagles. He's like prophesying out new covenant redemptive realities that we are able to walk in that was way beyond even the covenant he was in. And, and, and David said that in Psalm 8, and I love this, What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou hast visited him? that you have crowned him with glory and honor and made him a little lower than Elohim. It's like David recognized by the Spirit of God that God really loves man. And so it makes sense then that the enemy would bring this deception against man to make us think that God's always mad at us. When the angel of the Lord appeared and said, you let them know there's a baby to be born. Peace on earth, goodwill towards man. God's not mad at man any longer. Every sin that man did against God, God put on Christ so that what? So that we would be restored to a place of perfect fellowship with him. So then I love, uh, after the, the, the Holy Spirit's poured out, and the early church then begins to operate in the Spirit of God, that Peter and, uh, and John come across the man at the gate, and uh, silver and gold have I none on me. You know, it didn't. They weren't touting their poverty. They just, you ever been somewhere, didn't have any cash on you? You know, they didn't have credit. And so uh, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise and walk. And the man went leaping, praising, right, glorifying God. Well, they went and arrested Peter and John for this. Put them on trial. Who? The same people that arrested Christ and killed him. So now Peter and John are facing certain death. Because, right, the, I mean, the uh, Caiaphas, the high priest, the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees, the whole Jewish uh, authority, uh, they thought they'd remedied the problem when they crucified Jesus. Along with all the power of darkness. 1 Corinthians 2 said that they, the rulers of the darkness of this age, not the people, the host of wickedness, thought that they 
uh, were winning when they crucified the Lord of glory. But if they had known what would have happened, said they would never have done it. Right, I'm in the middle of writing a book called Supernaturally Stupid. <laughs> I am. It's, uh, we're we're uh, a couple chapters in. I need to hurry up and, and finish it and get it out. And the premise is, is that those who cried crucify Jesus were not just stupid. They were supernaturally stupid. Yeah. Meaning they were governed by a spiritual rule and authority they'd yielded to. Demonic influence that would make you want to kill the guy who was helping people. So you can always tell who the Pharisees are. They're the ones on the sidelines ridiculing the guy who's in the ditch helping the people. Yeah. Right? So Jesus is actually setting people free, healing the sick. Right? And what do they do? Man, you've got to get rid of that guy. He's a problem. And so I felt that way about defunding the police. And it just came out one day. I said, that's not a stupid idea. That's a supernaturally stupid yeah. idea. Meaning what? There's, there's nothing good can come of that. Right? I mean, there's no statistical data. There's no... There's, <laughs> You know, you almost want to say, go ahead and try that. Let's just see how that works out for you. Just do that in your town. <laughs> we'll hire a few extra police in our town. You defund the police in your town and just get back to us in a couple years. Let's see how that works out for you, right? Well, well, why is that a supernaturally stupid idea? Because again, what is that? That's the power of darkness influencing man. Man wasn't created to be influenced by the, by the powers of darkness. Man was created to rule over that. Amen. Glory to God. So then they thought, the spirits of darkness thought that they were remedying the problem of Jesus when they crucified him, didn't realize they multiplied the problem. Because when he rose from the dead now, the Spirit of God moved out of one flesh into all flesh. Yes. And that you and I who were born into darkness now are born into light. Oh, and they go, oh, we got real problems now. <laughs> so Peter and John were arrested, put on trial, right? And Peter, he, uh, he, he denied the, uh, <laughs> the county attorney to defend him. And he pled his own case. And, uh, and he preached to those who were wanting to kill him. And he said, repent that your sins be blotted out, that times of refreshing would come from the presence of the Lord. So that tells me that the early church, it was so real to Peter that what? That what happened when Jesus rose from the dead was that now we have access to times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. He was so real to Peter, he actually said it to the accusers, the Jews. Say to them, if you really knew, you would repent. That this Jesus, and he talks, that's what he talks about. He said, this Jesus whom you've crucified. If you knew, you would repent. That you too could access the presence of the Lord. So, what I want to say here in the next three or four minutes is simply this. That's the first ministry of, of the believer. Yeah. Not to people, but to the Lord. And we see that from the Lord himself. That his first ministry was not to the people, it was to his father. How do we know that? Because in John 14, he said, I do those things which I see my father do. It's my father who dwells in me who does the works, right? One of my favorite verses is John chapter 8, verse 29. Jesus said, I always do those things which please my father. And I love that because Hebrews chapter 13, as Paul's closing that letter, he said, pray for me that I'll come to see you again quickly. And this is what I've been praying for you. That the, 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 uh, the Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, he said, 
may be able to perfect you that you are well-pleasing in the sight of God. Ooh, hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I want to live my life a living sacrifice, well-pleasing unto my Father God. Amen? So then, my first ministry is not to people. My first ministry is to the Lord. And a, 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 a man's prayer life will qualify his preach life. Meaning, what I declare in the place of the presence of the Lord, I'll now gain boldness from the Father to be able to declare that from the pulpit. Right? What I receive from my private time with the Lord, the Lord then will take that and multiply it and make a public display Jesus showed us, come on, he pulled away and prayed all night. Pushed out in the boat. Spent time alone with God. Right? Pulled, pulled away from the crowd to do what? To fill up. And then what the Father would say to him, what the Father would show him, he would go back to the people and deposit that which God had put on the inside of him. Our life is the same. So really what's neat about the, the early church is the disciples just kept the same pattern. What they had seen with Christ, they now just did with Christ. Just not the man in the flesh, but him on the inside. So what did they do? Acts chapter 5, it says that they just continued. Let's look at this, and I'll be really fast as I can. You guys listen too good, I'm blaming you. Acts chapter 5, oh, it's just so good. And then we're going to pray. Acts chapter 5, verse 12. It says, And through the hands of the apostles, many signs and wonders were done among the people. And they were all in one accord in Solomon's porch. Yet none of the rest dared join them, but the people esteemed them highly. And believers were increasingly added to the Lord, multitudes of both men and women, so that they brought the sick out into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at least the shadow of Peter passing by might fall on some of them. Also a multitude gathered from the surrounding cities to Jerusalem, bringing sick people and those who were tormented by unclean spirits, and they were all healed. This is interesting. The same results Jesus was getting, his disciples are now getting. Because they're continuing the same pattern that Jesus had with them. That what? That they told Peter and John, never preach again in the name of Jesus. So being let go, Acts chapter 4, they went to their own company, and there they lifted their voice, and they began to pray. Acts 4.23, Lord, grant us boldness, that we would speak your word with all boldness, stretching forth thine hand to heal, as signs and wonders will be wrought in the name of thy holy servant Jesus. So they said, never preach in the name of Jesus again. They went back, got with their church, and they said, let's pray. They began to pray, all right, Lord, just give us more boldness yes. to do exactly what they said we're not allowed to do. Yes. Amen. <laughs> So it says the Lord said, them, don't be so crazy and wild. You need to calm back down and just no." <laughs> it says the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit and power. Amen. It's the will of God to be done. So then from that, we see that they continue. So if you read Acts chapter two, when, when the pandemic hit, we just got on our face before God and began to pray. We didn't know what to do, so we knew, well, we better pray. And we just got in the book of Acts and said, what did they do? They were under great persecution. And for the first time in my life, the American church is under persecution. I had a friend of mine, uh, he was a, a former uh, uh, pastor, well-esteemed nationally. And he said, uh, why do you feel like the American church is under persecution? I said, uh, we are told we can't have church. 
This is not rocket science. Right? Haven't been beaten with rods yet. Right? Haven't been beaten with stripes yet. Haven't been put in prison yet. That's enough for me to realize there is an antichrist spirit that is working in the earth today. That, right, the closer we get to Christ coming, the hotter the fire is going to get to intensify. I don't want to be a coward. I want to have a spirit of faith like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, you can throw us in the fire, but we will not bow, right? So everybody said, well, Romans 13 says you've got to obey the governing authorities of the land. I thought, that's neat, because Acts chapter 5, Peter said, I'd rather obey God than man. <laughs> right? So, when you look at it, come on, the church is the most adherent group to the natural laws of man in America. The church doesn't steal, the church doesn't kill, right? The church, the church pays their taxes, well, most of them do. The church, the church, you know, the church is the most law-abiding percentage of people in our nation, and yet it's the church that's going to be persecuted. All right, then great, then what am I going to do? I'm going to obey God. They kind of crucified my Lord for obeying God, not man. Right? So under his example, we're going to obey God. And I know that he'll, he'll uphold and he'll... So where's my strength come then? Not from man. My strength comes from God. So the early church, the, the apostles of the Lamb, they gathered daily at... Now, this is awesome. Because the high priest and the Pharisees told them, don't ever preach in the name of Jesus again. And they gathered daily at the temple. They didn't gather in a cave so far out of town that no one would ever find out. They gathered, come on, when Herod rebuilt the temple, he put an outside portico on there. And, and so, you know, all you guys that have those great outdoor kitchens, you know, you're not the first one to come up with that. The temple, Herod's temple had that, right? And so it's an outside, I think it's on the west side of the temple. If I, if I got that detail wrong, I apologize. But it's uh, ivory columns there and it's outdoor living space. And so they decided that would be the perfect place for them together to do what? To minister to the Lord. Said they gathered there in one accord. Well, what did they do? What did that mean? They ministered to the Lord. Just what it means when, when we minister to the Lord. They prayed. They ministered the word. Right? So it wasn't like Peter went to his house and James went to his house. Right? And, and, and Andrew went to his house and, and they all just went in their prayer closet. No, they actually gathered together just like they had done with Jesus. That Jesus gathered with the twelve and there he did what? He prayed with them. We see that in the Garden of Gethsemane. They weren't so good at it. He was much better. They ministered the word together. We know that because Peter said, when Jesus said, you're going to have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, they all scattered, the multitude scattered. And Jesus said to Peter, uh, don't you want to go too? He said, Master, we don't understand what you're talking about with the eating of your flesh and drinking your blood. But this one thing I know, you're the only one with the words of eternal life. Right? We'll figure out that blood and flesh thing. Till we do, we're with you. 
Why? Because Jesus taught them. He's pouring into them, right? So they gather together. They just continue to gather together and what? Minister to the Lord through the ministry of the word and their continual prayer. Well, what happened? The glory of God hit them so heavily that the same thing that happened to Jesus is happening to them, that there's a multitude of people coming just to get close enough to them that we know coming out of Solomon's porch as they come down the hill, they got to pass by here. So let's just get, come on, we got somebody on a stretcher, get them here close, that just Peter coming down the hill, his shadow might fall on him. And what happened? Devils came out of them, and everybody's getting made well simply from their ministry to the Lord. So then you get over into Acts chapter 6 and we see a dispute arises from the Hellenists because the daily distribution of food, the pastoral care is being neglected. Well, before we throw stones at them, the church is growing so fast. 3,000 were added on the day of Pentecost. Then 5,000 more were added shortly thereafter. The church is multiplying. It says daily the Lord's adding to the church, right? The church is growing too fast. So they can't keep up with the distributions. And so the 12 said it's not desirable. Look at Acts chapter 6 verse 4. It's not desirable that we should leave the word of God and prayer and serve tables. It wasn't because they were lazy. It wasn't because they didn't want to do work. Are you kidding me? They're doing the real work. They're doing the ministry unto the Lord. So they said, pick out from among you seven men of good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and appoint these men over this matter so that we can give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the Word of God. What happens when you put God first? Jesus said, seek first the kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Oh, if we only believed Him. Right? So as a pastor, I, my father's a pastor. I had a great example as a pastor. Amy's father's a pastor. We have great examples as pastors. And yet, the temptation to do the natural work is always there. That a pastor could schedule 150 hours a week. There's so much natural work that needs to be done. You could spend three hours with every family and not really do all the natural work that could be done. So you have to purposefully put God first to say it has to be up to the body to do all that. We must give ourselves to the word of God in prayer. It's like a prayer meeting. If you don't pray first, you don't pray. I went to prayer meeting all my life on Wednesday night. We never prayed. <laughs> it was called Wednesday prayer meeting. Right? But what? If you don't pray, then you'll get caught up in the natural. You'll get talking. You'll get right. And then, man, I'm telling you, when that pandemic hit, we started actually praying, putting God first ministering to the Lord every single day. And what's funny is we had about uh, 18 years of us trying at our best to build the church of God. And the last three and a half years, it's just been the grace of God hitting everything we've done. And the difference is so astronomical. I'm like, Lord, if you could have allowed COVID to hit the earth earlier, I would have really appreciated it. What changed? We just started ministering to the Lord. Acts chapter 13, and we're going to pray. I love this. Acts chapter 13. It says, Now in the church, verse 1, that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, 
Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manius, and had been, uh, had been uh, brought up with Herod, the, the Tetrarch, and Saul. That's pretty brave for reading all those, wasn't it? I didn't even proofread that. Probably should have. What Brother Hagin always say? He'd say Barnabas and those fellows. Amen? <laughs> Verse 2. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. Well, we just came out of a fast. Praise God. What were we doing? The same. We were doing it under the Lord, not under man. We're putting our body under what for the Lord. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Spirit said. What do you do? He says, separate unto me Barnabas and Saul for the ministries which I've called them. When we put first things first and minister to the Lord, is that for the preacher? No, it's for all believers. We're all called to be kings and priests unto God Most High. You've been given a place higher than any Old Testament saint. Remember what they asked Jesus about John the Baptist? And John, he said, John the Baptist is the greatest prophet to ever live, but the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Glory to God. I said, give me 10 minutes. You gave me a half an hour. I've really messed up, but thank you so much. Amen. We got the atmosphere charts. Let's pray for a few minutes. If you don't mind, I'm going to sit here at the table. We do this every morning, so it kind of just feels uh, at home to me. And uh, you can walk and pray or kneel and pray, come to the altar and pray, or you can sit right there in your seat and pray. Get yourself into a good place. I'm going to leave my microphone on, and I'm going to pray in English the most as I can. If I happen to bounce over into praying in other tongues, then uh, just pick up and pray with me. Amen. And, uh, but I'm going to endeavor to pray in English so the whole body will be edified. And uh, let's just take a, a little bit of time here and, and pray and minister to the Lord and out of that place of getting full. Hallelujah. And even the joy, I can tell already, the joy of the Lord is just going to hit us as we pray. Amen. He's going to fill us up full of joy tonight. And as we pray and minister unto the Lord, then there will just be a great unction to come upon us. And we'll come off and I'll minister to you. And let's see what the Holy Ghost says. Hallelujah. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. Glory. If you want to stand and pray, you can. Kneel and pray. Lay and pray. Walk and pray. Just don't, uh, don't be getting on somebody else's territory. Glory to God. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you. By the name and by the authority of that name and by the blood of the everlasting covenant. We come before you with singing and gladness in our heart today, Father, and we come before you with a great gratitude, a tremendous appreciation and thankfulness for who you are and what you've done, that you've given unto man the greatest covenant, a covenant so perfect and lacking nothing that you've made us so close to you. So as we come through into the very presence of God and come through these gates into the, into the tabernacle, Father, not made with man's hand, but we draw near into the courtroom of heaven. We draw near, Father, into your presence. And we look and we see the altar. We look and we see the brazen altar, the place there where the sacrifice was made. As we look, Father, in these courts and we see that place of sacrifice, I see the cross. I see Jesus upon that cross. And Father, I'm so grateful and thankful for the blood that he shed for me and the torment that he received for my benefit. I'm so grateful, I'm so thankful for the sacrifice of Christ. I'm so grateful for that which was made for me and the great exchange 
that was made on my behalf, that he took my sin, my shame upon himself. Father, we're so grateful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice. It was perfect, lacking absolutely nothing. Oh, that it's perfect in all of its ways, that he, the lamb slain from the foundation of the world, was laid upon him the iniquity of us all. Father, I'm so grateful that yet it pleased you to bruise him and to place upon him everything lacking in man, that what Adam had invited in, you prophesied through Christ that that seed of the woman, that the enemy may bruise his heel, but that he would crush the head of Satan. Father, I thank you that the kingdom of darkness has been crushed. Through the resurrection of Christ, all authority was transferred. Through the resurrection of Christ, Father, all power was given unto man again. Through the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been put back to a place of closeness, a place of fellowship, a place of hearing your voice. I'm so grateful, Father, for the sacrifice of Jesus. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for my Lord placed upon the cross. Thank you for the sacrifice that was made. Oh, I see him. Oh, bloodied and marred, I see him. Oh, I see him, Father. What they did unto him, not knowing what they were doing. What they did unto him, trying to get him to shift, trying to get him to give up, trying to get him to lay down the purpose. Yet he set his face like flint. Oh, despising the shame, he set his face like flint towards the prize. Oh, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame. Oh, for the joy that was set before him. He took my place and took my sin upon himself. And he died under that sin that I might live unto righteousness, Father. I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful for the sacrifice. I'm so thankful, Father, for the precious blood of the Lamb shed for me. Oh, oh glory to God. Hallelujah. Thank you for the sacrifice. Father, the tomb is now empty. The grave is now empty, Father. Oh, he's not there. Though they laid him in that tomb, the stone is rolled away and he's not there. He's high and lifted up. He carried that blood into the very place of the heavenly host. He carried that blood before you, Father, and laid it upon the mercy seat where it now still flows. Oh, we're so thankful for the blood of the everlasting covenant and the redemption of man. That was so perfect, Father. It's so much greater than anything we could have ever come up with. It's greater than anything man could have ever planned. It's greater, Father, than anything of this world. Oh, it's a perfect redemption. It's a perfect plan, and it's a perfect covenant given unto man. Oh, the closeness of heaven given unto me. I'm so thankful, Father, that I now walk in freedom and victory. Oh, the supply of heaven and the life of God flowing on the inside. Yeah, the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness are mine. So, Father, I make my way to the laver and I wash myself clean. I wash myself clean and make whole, Father God, every command of God. 
every command that you give unto us. We love your command, Father. Wash us. Wash us in the blood of the covenant. Wash us with the word. Wash us, Father, with the water, the water of the Spirit of God. Wash and make me clean and make me whole, Father, that I obey you in all your ways. And every statute of heaven is mine to keep. Oh, that I love you. And you said those who love you would keep your commandments. So, Father, we love you. We keep the commandments of God with great joy. For the commandments of God are not burdensome. No, they're greatly to be enjoyed. Hallelujah. And I enjoy it, Father, the closeness that you've given unto man. The Spirit of God speaking to us every single day. We're so grateful, Father, to be washed clean and made whole. Oh, to be washed clean as white as snow. We stand before you in holiness, worthy and pure, un unshakable, Father, are we in this covenant. Oh, without reproach, unblameable are we because of the precious blood of Jesus that cleanses us and makes us whole. Oh, glory to God. Father, as I look to my right and I see the bread, the showbread, Father, that type of Christ which was to come. Oh, I'm so thankful for the body of Christ that you placed me in, and I esteem them all highly, Father. And I thank you for the body of Jesus that was broken for me, that I might now walk in the wholeness of spirit, soul, and body. Oh, without blame in the sight of God. Father, when I look to my left and I see the candlestick and the menorah, the flame of the Spirit of God, the candlestick of the Lord, and the flame of fire of the Spirit of God within my heart, that Jesus truly is the baptizer in the Spirit of God, and fire, that that fire burns brightly in this church, that that fire burns brightly in this house, that this house has a candlestick, this house has a flame of fire. This house, oh, has a move of the Spirit of God. This house has the Spirit of God moving in such a great way, a spirit of utterance, a spirit, oh, by the voice of the Spirit of God, to speak as we ought to speak, to manifest the glory, to speak as we ought to speak, to make known the truth, to speak as we ought to speak by the fire of God, to speak as sons and daughters of God, fathers and husbands, mothers and daughters oh that we'd speak into our family as we ought to make manifest the glory of God that the candlestick upon this house and the move of the Spirit of God in this place burns more brightly than it ever has in all of time that now in this season the flame of God gets brighter and brighter brighter and brighter in the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of knowledge and revelation the spirit of might Oh, and the healing virtue of the Lord Jesus flowing like a mighty river in this house. Oh, that the candlestick of the Lord burns brightly. The move of the Spirit of God intensifies that this is a house of prayer. Oh, this is the Father's house. It's a house of prayer. It's a place of hearing the voice of God. It's a place of declaration from the throne room of that which we cling to, that which we hope for, that which we are believing you for, Father, that all things are possible. 
to him who believes. Oh, for in this house the fire of the Spirit of God burns brightly and it intensifies. Oh, it enlarges. Glory to God. The flame of the Spirit of God burns up all the chaff and all that that does not belong in our life and leaves nothing but the purity of the call and the purity of the assignment of God and the purity, oh, of that which God has spoken over our life. We will not let the past hold us back. We will not let what man has done hold us back. But we will pursue and run after the assignment of God upon this place. Oh, it's an assignment of great joy. It's an assignment of great strength of heaven. It's an assignment, oh, to cause many to come to know God. Oh, hallelujah, the knowledge of God being revealed in the church and the knowledge of God being revealed in Bartlett, Tennessee. The knowledge of God that is declaring unto man his freedom and his liberty. The knowledge of God being made known to the servants of the Most High. Oh, the knowledge of God burning so bright. Oh, oh, oh a spirit of wisdom, a spirit of wisdom a spirit of revelation, a knowledge, an understanding of God, a spirit that leads and guides man into the knowledge to know Him, that those who know their God will be strong and do tremendous exploits. Oh, ho, ho, the Spirit of God burning brightly on the inside, the candle of the Lord leading man, guiding man in all of his steps and all of his ways, that we're children of God led by you, led by the Spirit of God in all we think, all all we say and all we do. Father, that we're led by you. We'll make spirit-led decisions wise in all of our ways. Oh, the multiplication in the hand of the Lord will be upon our life in these days. Yeah, there will be days of refreshing, days of heaven upon the earth, days where the manifestation of the glory of God will cover. Oh, hallelujah. Cover heaven and cover earth like rain falling from above. Oh, you said in Zechariah that we are to pray for the rain. Pray for the rain. Pray for the rain. So, Father, we pray for the rain of God to fall upon this place. The rain of heaven. Grace falling like rain from heaven. Grace saturating the heart of man. Grace empowering us, Father. Oh, it's fallen upon the earth like rain falls from the clouds. Saturating all that's in its way. Oh, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ falling mightily upon the earth. Hey, hey, hey. Oh, the grace, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the power of God being manifested in our life. Oh, hallelujah. Father, thank you for the wonderful Holy Spirit. Thank you for the flame of fire upon this house. Oh, glory to God. Oh, the flame of worship and the anointing of God, of worship to go into the deep places and to hear the voice of God so clear. Oh, that flame of fire of worship, intimate, the intimate secret place of God. Oh, being known unto us daily, Father. Daily, as we gather daily, Father. Oh, the intimate place. 
that secret place, that he who dwells in that secret place of the Most High, he who dwells in that secret place, what's done in secret, the Lord will reveal openly. Oh, glory to God. The flame of worship, the flame of worship, man restored unto God. Thank you, Father. Glory to God. Oh, we thank you for the sweet incense, the prayers of the saints, those bowls of incense, the prayers of the saints, coming up as a sweet-smelling aroma unto God. Oh, unto you, Father, we offer up to you our prayer. We offer up to you the sweet incense, the prayers of the saints coming up before you. And we take the blood of the everlasting covenant and we're so thankful for the blood of Jesus. And we carry it behind the place where the veil once was. For Father, the veil is no longer there. It's no longer separating me from you. But you've invited me in, Father, to come all the way to the place of the mercy seat. To bring the blood of Christ and lay it before you again. And to thank you for what he is and what he's done for us. Father, we come all the way in and we hold fast now to the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. Oh, you are faithful and you are just. Oh, Father, to take your son's redemption and deliver it unto man. You are faithful and you are just. Oh, to carry us in to the high call of God upon our life, to carry us up into the place that we would accomplish much. The fruitfulness of our life would be multiplied and amplified. Oh, that you'd do much in our life. That we would hear the voice of heaven and we would walk out to perfection. That which you have laid in store and assigned for our life. That we would not get off course to the right or to the left, but that we would accomplish all that you've assigned for us to do. That at your coming, Father, you will award to us a crown of righteousness, and upon that day you'll give us great reward for that which you've called us to do. So I'll not enter into what you've called another man to do. I'll not enter in, Father, to something that you've not asked me to do, but I hear the voice of the Lord, and I'll do all that you've asked for me to do, and I'll run the race of God that's set before me and I'll discover <laughs> the call and the high call of God upon my life oh father I pray that over us all oh that we hear your voice so loud and so clear the voice of the Lord so present in our ear that we know the place that you've called and led we know the place where the blood was shed we know the place father oh that you'd have us to go and the Spirit of God will reveal and we'll know. Oh, step after step, day after day, we'll pursue the call of God and we'll follow on that narrow way. Oh, oh, oh. hey, hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Man, the Spirit of God's so good. If we abide in Him, oh, glory, because His Word abides in us. We'll just ask anything and he'll do it for us. Amen? Father, I thank you for the high call of God. The high call of God.